When I was about 12 was my first exposure to video pornography, and I was, I was hooked. I skirted the boundaries for five years or so, just trying not to get caught. My sexual acting out, multiple relationships going on at a time, I knew that I needed help. Hey everyone, Nate Dancer here. Today we start our latest series, Four Parents. Raising children in today's culture brings parents face-to-face -face with unprecedented challenges. Sexually suggestive content is almost everywhere we look, making it nearly impossible to perfectly preserve the innocence of young children. In this series, we want to, as best as we can, offer help for anyone who has seen their child fall victim to the snares of sexual sin. We'll talk about what it's like to grow up in a sex-crazed culture. We'll look at the role of a parent, how to respond biblically if your child has been in sin, and some ways to walk alongside of them into purity. Today we dive right into it by looking at the reality of the world your child is growing up in. This is Purity for Life. Our desire is that by the end of this series, you will be better equipped to help your child live a pure life regardless of whether or not they've already been exposed to sexual sin. But before I get started, I need to acknowledge something. We are not claiming to be experts at parenting. Our ministry for the last 35 years has been to men whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. But in recent years, we've seen younger and younger men coming to us already entrenched very deeply in sexual sin. And so we feel compelled to offer, in whatever small way we can, insight from our own testimonies and from our 30-plus years of experience. You'll also hear from several special guests who will share wisdom from the scriptures and their own experiences as parents. And we trust that all of this will bring a more well-rounded examination of this subject. With all that said, today we begin by discussing the painful reality. Sexual content is lurking everywhere, just waiting for children to see it, to stumble upon it, or to find it. The primary way a child learns is by watching what happens around them and then imitating what they see. They're extremely impressionable. If they see something often enough or hear it often enough, they'll repeat it. And this is by God's design. Through observation and imitation, children learn to walk, to talk, to play, to write, to read, and nearly every other thing they need to live. Now, in a culture that is saturated with godliness, a child's formative years would be filled with godly instruction and godly examples. Listen to Deuteronomy where God told the people of Israel, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in the house, walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Kids are impressionable, and God made them this way so that their minds could be filled with the knowledge of God. And for the better part of 6,000 years, a child's life was largely shaped by the people in his immediate surroundings. 
Think about it in comparison today. It was unhurried, uncomplicated, and primarily focused on surviving. This kind of a lifestyle even continued into the 1900s in America, if you can believe it. Let me quote from Pastor Steve's recent book, Walking in Truth in a World of Lies, to give you a picture. Quote, Most Americans lived on farms and spent the majority of their waking hours working in the fields. When they did make a trip into town to get supplies, it was done with their workhorse and wagon. In those days, a person's value tended to come from the quality of his character. His happiness was found in contentment, and many turned to God to find meaning in life. End quote. Though wickedness has always been available, the widespread perversion of our day was still far in the future. But massive cultural shifts were on the way. The Industrial Revolution soon made it possible for goods to be mass-produced, and Americans began to greedily pursue pleasure through materialism. Now, this lust for pleasure would not spread into human sexuality at this point, though, because Victorian-era values were still deeply entrenched. But Satan eventually found his men of sin. Alfred Kinsey's depraved research claimed that the average person is far more sexually perverted than he or she would ever let on. Hugh Hefner ushered naked females into the bedrooms of millions of husbands and fathers. And two scientists soon made it easy to have sex without fearing an unwanted pregnancy. And these four men made this message loud and clear. Sexual pleasure in all of its forms is not something to shun or to fear, but to embrace and celebrate as a normal way of life. Now, while these men took a battering ram to the bastions of morality, television just simply knocked on the back door and walked in. In its early days, television gained the trust of parents with wholesome shows, family-friendly programming. But that would gradually change. Over the next couple of decades, more and more mothers began to join the workforce and they let television do the babysitting. And soon, Satan was able to train these children up in the way he wanted them to go. Sex, cursing, violence, and rebellion. The living room, which had once been a place where families would kneel together for family devotions, now saw children viewing a very different worship service. Worship to the spirit of this age. The children that were being shaped then are still coming to us today for help. They are men whose actions have devastated those around them. The seeds that were sown in their childhood have sprouted and grown up and produced a terrible harvest. My name is Carl and I am 69 years old. My name is Chris. I am 58 years old. My name is Greg. I'm 71 years old. My name is Will, and I am 50 years old. In the early 60s, we were so naive. As I was growing up, I was actually a very uh, Italian neighborhood, and I had a lot of friends. Uh, we never talked about it. We never saw any magazines or anything like that. I, I grew up in the suburbs of a major city, and we weren't exposed to it at, at home. 
The school didn't touch it at all. The TV didn't have anything uh, that alluded to sex. I was in going to a Christian school, an Assembly of God Christian school, and it wasn't even on our radar. On Sunday mornings, my dad used to go to uh, his brother-in-law's house, and uh, I had an older male cousin. I was about 10 years old at the time, and he was 15. And we used to actually go downstairs to his basement. One week, we were down there alone, and uh, he asked me if I knew anything about sex, which I didn't. That had really a double effect. Uh, I had a lot of shame after that. I, I feel like my life changed after that. I was scared to tell anybody. I did not tell anybody. I was probably about 12, 13, 14 years old, walking through a neighborhood park and found in a dry creek bed, a cup. And the conscientious kid that I was, I went to pick up the cup to go throw it in the trash, but there was something stuffed in it. And I was curious and I pulled it out and I opened it up and it was uh, the centerfold. There was something about it, wasn't right. And I immediately crumbled it back up, stuffed it back in and threw it in the trash. But I've never forgotten that image. At 14, a friend of mine had a Playboy magazine. I'd heard about him, but I never really got to take a look at him. He was opening the pages and we were going through it and, and looking at all the girls in the, in the magazine. I was so intrigued with it. I really wanted that magazine. But at that point, I was too embarrassed. And it was sometime later before I really got my hands on another one, maybe years later. I was exposed, I was either 11 or 12. And um, I saw a copy of Playboy magazine that my dad had in his room. And that from there, I just went down the rabbit hole. I had to work hard for it. Like, you know, like I, uh, you know, I shared, I, was, I, I shoplifted magazines. I actually would swipe them out of my friends' houses from their parents or their dads. A couple of us would get together when their parents were gone and try and watch HBO or some program on TV that had a scene or something in it. And then in seventh grade, had a house party. All of a sudden, somebody walked out of his father's room with a Playboy magazine. Satan literally put something on a hook with bait, and, and I took it. I do remember saying at the time, boy, when I'm old enough to buy this, I am going to buy a lot. And I did. He had me for literally uh, five and a half decades. I was 19 years old. I was drafted into the Army. When I got mixed in with a bunch of guys from all over the country, their view and their knowledge of sex was way beyond what I was really exposed to, various types of sex. And during those three years that I served in South Vietnam, and it became a common pastime with the, all the GIs, would come back off an operation and generally allow us to go into the city. And the prostitution there, it was, it was just almost unbelievable. And it became an accepted pastime. 
in my late teens and early 20s when I, I left home is when I started frequently in, you know, adult bookstores and other, other establishments. And then uh, I got married in 94, but um, it was, I don't know, it was sort of manageable, I guess. It was, it was, it was a problem, but it didn't seem like it was an obsession, you know, for those first three years. And then when the internet rolled out and my wife and I got our first our computer, um, and suddenly I realized it's just a click away. Um, my problem escalated. The things that I've seen on my phone or on my computer that is available to teens now was never available in a bookstore, in, in an adult bookstore, in, a, in an adult movie theater. It was never available. Well, things have gone from bad to worse. With the advent of the internet and internet-connected devices, kids can easily be drawn in by the sex-crazed spirit of this world. Here are some eye-opening stats. When it comes to minors viewing porn, over 50% are between 10 and 14. And by 14 years of age, 94% of children will have seen pornography. According to Pew Research, over 1 billion hours of video is consumed every single day on YouTube, and 80% of parents report that they allow their children under 11 to watch it, despite the fact that they are concerned that their children will be exposed to inappropriate content. One man responded to their survey saying, Technology has taught kids instant gratification and no patience. Youth today have been primed to cave to the allurement of sexual sin more than ever, and the means of attaining it have been delivered right into their home, just as TV was so many years ago. Research by Covenant Eyes indicates that 40 million Americans regularly visit porn sites. 13% of all searches on the web are for erotic content. Today, 90% of teenagers engage in conversations with friends regarding porn in a positive or accepting light. Now, one would hope that statistics like this exist only outside of the church, but a 2016 study showed that 41% of Christian boys between the ages of 13 and 24 use porn at least once a month. These statistics are alarming, but dig below the surface and it's even more frightening. Fifty years ago, a 12-year-old might have access to a stash of his father's Playboy magazines, and this would be devastating and corrupting. But with a smartphone or a computer, in one short hour of web searching, a child is literally able to view hundreds of sexual situations, ranging from scandalous to shockingly depraved. We've seen the sad consequences of this firsthand in our residential program. For many years, the majority of the men who came to us were in their 30s and 40s. Long years of sin had torn the heart and soul out of their marriages and spiritual lives. But over the past few years, we've seen the average age of our students drop dramatically. We now regularly have men 18, 19, and early 20s coming to us. 
They've been exposed to darkness that decades earlier would have required extreme situations. We asked several of these young men in our program to answer the same questions as the older generation did earlier, and here's what they said. My name is Brett, and I'm 26. My name is James, and I am 19. My name is Landon, and I am 19 years old. My name's Titus, and I'm 21. My name is Will, and I'm 18. I grew up relatively conservative Christian home. I feel like me personally was pretty naive. I was aware that kids my age were relatively knowledgeable about it. I was in middle school, and I had someone ask me if I knew what a condom was, and I didn't, and then they thought that was funny. So when I was really young, my friends and I, we never really talked about it or, you know, joked around about it at all. We just really just messed around like normal little kids, I guess, and doing sports and being goofy, stuff like that. Even when we were like 10 to 12, me and my friends would joke about the different body parts of um, young girls or just about sexual, you know, sexual jokes. I was pretty sheltered. We didn't have video games. We didn't have many electronics. We certainly didn't have cell phones. I grew up homeschooled and in a homeschool environment, so those around me, from my understanding, were pretty ignorant to it. I think my first exposure was, I think, somewhere around the age of like 10 to 13. I was actually in the waiting room of some sort of medical office with my mom and my brother and they were off in another room, and I was like, just looking through the magazines, and there was a um, article about two women that had gotten married, and it had a photo of them kissing, and that was, uh, basically piqued my interest. A friend and I broke into a, a garage, and there was Playboy magazines on all of the walls. We ended up, just both took one, and. It was just, I didn't understand what it was or why it excited me, but I was interested. It wasn't till later, probably early pre-teens to early teens, that when I started hanging out with my older brother and his friends, when I was able, really exposed to the dark movies. I think the first time I watched a uh, very sexual movie, it was um, when Deadpool first came out. It was just, one of those things you laughed about. Even getting big into sports, um, watching a lot of games, and watching, you know, just the garbage on the commercials. At the age of five, I figured out about self-gratification, and that just grew. When I got my laptop, when I was 14, 15, there was Covenant Eyes put on it. I skirted the boundaries for five years or so, just trying not to get caught. When I went away to college is when it really spiraled out of control because I had access to a laptop without filters. Yeah, the first time I experienced uh, sex, I was really, really young. Uh, you know, about a you know, year old or so. In Russia, where I was, I was born, um, my biological mom was kind of an unprofessional prostitute. You know, I remember images, brief like video clips in my mind of, you know, her interacting with other guys pretty much in front of me. 
We also had a television, and so I would look for stuff on the TV, and that's kind of when I discovered self-gratification. And I would, sometimes my chore would be to, you know, burn the trash. And so I would look for stuff in the trash. Um, a lot of like, just like advertisements that you would get in the mail, like a women's underwear magazine or something like that. I think we got a computer when my brother was in high school. So I would have been, I think in, in about middle school time, I started looking at, I had no clue what to look for because I'd never looked for anything before. And so it was just like typing in whatever I could think of. And then things really escalated when I got into college. Uh, when I was about 12 was my first exposure to video pornography, and I was, I was hooked. Every opportunity I had, I would find a way to go watch, you know, on my mom's computer or, you know, wherever it was. My view of my female friends changed. The attractiveness increased because I realized there was more to see, and I wanted it. I would do what I could to just see as much as I could without being obvious or awkward. When I actually was exposed to hardcore pornography was probably 14, 13, 14 years old. And it was on one of my friend's phones. It was nothing we were embarrassed about at all. In fact, we watched videos together because he was the only kid that didn't have internet blockers on his phone didn't take very long for it to spiral out of control. As soon as I saw that first video, I was hooked. And then I would have moments where I'd break down and confess. But that was all it was, confessing that repentance. And kind of when my dad talked to him, a lot of times I'd tune him out, pretend like I was listening, and then lie to him over and over and over and over again until I broke. That was kind of the cycle for years. I knew about pornography for a while, but I was always too afraid to look at it until I was 18 or 19. I think I saw an ad on the computer that just popped up, and I was someplace I shouldn't have been anyway. I was kind of just skirting the boundaries of the filtration system, trying not to go so far that, you know, my parents would find out, but going far enough that I was exposed to that stuff. I definitely struggle with the desire to experience that again, only because in those occurrences that was the only time that I really felt like I interacted with my biological mom. Much as it's sick reality, it was mom and she was actually focusing on me. About around age four is when the, what I know now to be like performance heart, fear of man, all that aspect started popping up where it's like I got to be a certain toddler for these people or I'm gonna have the same type of thing that happened in Russia. It was less of the sexual addiction that caused me to feel like I was spinning out of control, but it was the emotional aspect. I had so much anger pent up inside of me, I couldn't keep it anymore. and. Uh, it mainly came out um, on my family, but specifically my siblings, uh, and the way that I treated them, the way I interacted with them. Um, it was like, if I can't be happy, if I can't know what it's like to feel um, like everything's going right, that I gotta make everyone um, 
everyone else's life as, as much of a hell as mine seemed to be. When I got a smartphone, we made attempts to lock it down, but I was just constantly trying to find ways around it. Kind of the peak, I would purchase a phone that was not blocked and I would skip work for a day and I would just go park outside some hotel or some restaurant that had free Wi-Fi. And then I would just sit there all day. My parents thought I was at work. My employer thought I was sick. And so it was perfect. It was about my sophomore year, 16, 17. I was at a camp and I met a girl and just things went south really quickly. To be honest, it wasn't all I thought it was going to be. And I think it was just because of years of seeing an unrealistic idea of what it would be like through porn. I got expelled my senior year because of my sin. I came to Pure Life Ministries because my pornography addiction, my sexual acting out, um, having um, multiple relationships going on at a time was just um, out of hand. And I knew that I knew that I needed help. And when I went back to college, I really did not want to get immersed in that. But all my life, I had been preparing for that. I had been laying a foundation in my mind and in my heart. And so eventually I gave over and and that just started a spiral downward into the stuff I never would have thought I, you know, I, I never would have thought I would have gone that far. Around 10 years old, I got involved sexually with another young person. You know, obviously the pleasure was a part of it, but the rage running through my veins um, is definitely what drove me. For a sexualized image to be seen by a child is certainly terrible. But what makes the whole thing even more insidious is that all these images have been designed by the enemy to send a specific message to young people. That message is this. Pleasure in general, and sexual pleasure specifically, is the most important thing in life. I know that I, for one, swallowed that lie bait, hook, and sinker. Pornography desensitizes these young children to the shamefulness of sexual perversion and slowly trains them to believe that almost nothing is forbidden. This breakdown of our children's consciences blinds them to the spiritual consequences that are surely to come. Depression, anger, loneliness, fear, anxiety, and much more. It just comes as a package deal when the person buys into the lie and gives over to illicit sex. Listen now to what our assistant director of counseling, Jordan Yoshimine, has to say about the influence that this has had on our younger generation as he reflects on the lives of the young men who are coming to us for help. Let's just take current events of 2020 just uh, you're seeing the fruit of what we as a culture, we as an American culture have cultivated, and that is there is no absolute truth, and people can live their own truth. Um, And the people coming into their program have their own version of the truth because that's what society 
glorifies, upholds is, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. You can think however you want to be. Be a free thinker. Be a critical thinker. Always question what's going on. And so we get many people, young people and old people alike, but most of, I would say, people of the younger generations, either millennials or Gen Z, they come in and they're already very, very distrustful of authority and distrustful of uh, absolute truth. Well, you you can't tell me that that's true is something that they might say or, um, well, that's, I don't think that's true. And I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about theology. I'm just talking about their filters is they have their, they've created their own version of Christianity and they live to that truth. They hold to that truth that will allow them to go to church, be involved in youth group, be on the worship team, and be in deep sexual sin. Young people come into our programs and they, number one, they don't trust any authority. And two, they don't trust uh, male authorities even more so. So it really makes it difficult to... Um, not impossible. The Lord really works in miraculous ways. But it is very, very difficult when young people come in today because they don't trust, they don't they don't like submitting to authority, and they have their own version of truth. And it's all, man, the society has so ingrained that in our youth today or in our culture today that it's very, very, very hard to break that um break that thinking that, hey, you know, my version of truth is true for myself. Yeah, you're, what you're telling me is great, but that's not reality to me. And it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's very, very difficult. But it's not just our children that have been affected by the culture's lies. We've been subjected to the same godless culture, and if we're not careful, we may be the ones that are perpetuating these lies to that very impressionable younger generation. I'd encourage you to spend time meditating on the first 10 chapters of Proverbs. Notice the strong rebuke regarding sexual sin, the extreme danger that it puts a person's soul in. Solomon spends multiple chapters warning young men on the dangers of the forbidden woman, exhorting them to seek good and righteous paths. And if Solomon was so concerned about keeping those young men from sexual sin, how much more should a parent be concerned today in the days where commercials, internet videos, billboards, malls, beaches, and even the grocery store checkout line brings the adulterous woman's house just within reach of our children. But notice also the truths he gives them in these chapters. To combat the central spirit of the world, Solomon shows us the supreme importance of the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom, and oh, how great a gift is wisdom. When a young man possesses the wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord, Solomon tells us that he will be delivered both from the adulterous woman and also from men of perverted speech. The fear of the Lord and wisdom is like a protective shield that keeps the vulnerable atmosphere of a young person's heart safe from the assaults of a godless world. Yes, it may be impossible to avoid exposure to sexual sin, but God's word is clear. God has what is needed even for our sons and daughters 
to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. I realize that this is heavy stuff, but we felt that right up front, we had to be really clear. The culture has a very strong current and children are constantly being swept up into it. Now, if you're listening and your child has already been exposed to pornography, maybe he or she has already confessed to seeking it out. Don't lose hope. God is able, he is still able to deliver. He has not changed. Any young person who will follow God's path of repentance will absolutely receive God's power to break the chains of sin. In later episodes, we'll be talking more in detail about ways a parent can help a child live in purity, but first we need to talk about the biblical role of parents. So make sure you join us next episode as we talk with biblical counselor Mark Shaw. In the meantime, We've got a lot of resources at our website, purelifeministries.org. These could be invaluable to helping you as a parent know what it takes to find freedom from sexual sin. And reading some of these resources, even from a parent's perspective, certainly wouldn't hurt. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.